Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs. Welcome to The Great America Show. This country of ours does have some problems, some big ones. But we shouldn't let all that cloud current events that point to better times. I'm not going to kid anyone. It's okay, I hope, to be happy when there are big problems, people still not so happy, but I'm a happy guy, and I'm not feeling too guilty about it. A little, but not too overly much. I'm what you might call a political justice warrior, not a social justice warrior. I'm a political justice warrior, and I hope you are as well. These are good times for political justice warriors, and watching this Marxist dim puppet president become the focus and the target of the same Marxist dim corporate global media that lies for and in manner of all ways bolsters the impaired Mr. Biden and the Marxist dims and the deep state that have attacked mercilessly and persecuted President Trump now for more than six years. And in all that time, let me cite the record. Two impeachments, four years of FBI investigations, now two special counsels, and of course, let's not forget the year of the January 6th Marxist-Dim Soviet Committee. The result, nothing. No wrongdoing, no laws broken by President Trump. A lot of laws broken by, however, the deep state and, of course, the Marxist-Dims themselves. And after the Mar-a-Lago raid, here we are. President Biden now accused of possessing a large number of so-called compartmentalized sensitive information documents. That's the highest level of top-secret government documents. Not only accused, but admitted possession. All from his last term as Obama's vice president. As of right now, there may be further updates on those numbers, I want to caution you. Biden took four different sets of documents and had them in four different locations. But we don't know if that will be the end of it. But no FBI convoys and raids yet. Biden's lawyers, by the way, were with the FBI as they looked for documents in the Wilmington residence of the president. The FBI wouldn't allow, you may remember, Trump's attorneys to be present in the president's office space when they were searching and seizing documents, you know, top secret documents. Here's former director of national intelligence, John Ratcliffe, on the difference in circumstance and treatment of President Trump and President Biden by the FBI. That's the former DNI looking you know, at the disparity in the treatment between President uh, Biden and former President Trump, I mean, it, it, it's remarkable. And, you know, you want to talk about uh, dirty little secrets. I mean, I think that, that mm-hmm. what we saw was an unprecedented raid of the former president uh, as a way of targeting a political opponent. I think that was intended to lead to an unprecedented prosecution 
that has now hit a has hit a, a roadblock, if you will, named Joe Biden. I don't think that uh, that the the uh, Biden Department of Justice ever thought they'd be sitting around saying, "Well, how are we possibly going to prosecute former mm -hmm. President Trump for conduct that uh, President Biden has so clearly committed at a level that is so more egregious and with such a greater frequency?" And I think that's why they've uh, they are in the mess that they are. And I think that's why you see Merrick Garland punting uh, with. Uh, with with uh, another special counsel. Some Biden supporters are jumping ship, others trying to defend him as best they can. Either way, Biden's in a mess and perhaps a mortal mess for his presidency. That's why, you've guessed it, that's why I say I'm a political justice warrior. It looks like Biden may be nearing justice. Now I'm waiting for them, the FBI SWAT team and investigators, to pull up to the White House to have a little talk with Joe about all those secret documents that he obviously took illegally, that is, stole. After all, we have to remember, Biden was a vice president, not a president. And a vice president isn't authorized to take any highly classified documents home. He's in big trouble. And that suits this political justice warrior just fine. And it feels like the beginning of the justice Joe Biden has eluded for a half century. Congressman James Comer's House Oversight Committee has been working for weeks on investigating President Biden's business dealings, dealings with his son Hunter and various governments across the globe. Congressman Jim Jordan's Judiciary Committee has already begun investigating the Biden document scandal, and Congressman Dan Bishop of North Carolina is a member of the Judiciary Committee, one of the group of 20, the conservatives who negotiated important, historic reforms, really, in the 118th Congress. Great to have you with us. My thanks for all you and your colleagues achieved standing up for the country and under high pressure and tough opposition. Congratulations, Congressman. Thank you, Lou, very much. I, I want to say before we go anywhere that, you know, that with 20 stepping out like that, it's not an easy thing to do. Uh, we had people who were known to be conservatives who were attacking us from the inception. Um, you were, Lou, though, a voice that uh, that said that, that would uh, your words were welcome from the beginning and they provide i can tell you when you're under that kind of assault and doing something that difficult to have stalwart uh, great strong voices who know what they're talking about uh, given sustenance to the effort is more appreciated than i can express well that's very kind of you congressman i, I have to say uh when you talked about what's now become known as the 20 uh, to see for the public, the American public, uh, given all of the ratings on uh, our federal government, uh, the trust in federal government, to see the 20s stalwarts stand up as, as patriots uh, with courage uh, and to really reform the Congress of the United States and give the people a chance uh, to to find their way back to their republic and to save this republic. I don't think it's any less important than that, to be straightforward about it, Congressman. What you all did, gives, first, you know, first, all, it, first of all, it gives Kevin McCarthy a chance to be an outstanding speaker. That's because true. Of the transparency, the accountability, the fact that every, every congressman and woman is now truly a representative and has an opportunity to represent their constituents. It is just, it's such a powerful, 
moment, I believe, in American history. And I just you know, want to Luke, say thank you. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. And, you know, it's very true. The The worst thing for Kevin McCarthy, for the Republican conference as, as a whole, for the American people would have been for us to drift into this majority. Uh, Kevin elected speaker from the outset and some cosmetic things going on that, that look good, but not really having a, 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 a clear agreement of exactly what we're going to fight for on behalf of the American people beyond just a list of kind of uh, uh, bullet points of poll tested language. That that would be horrible. And it was funny as we went through that week, Lou, with a lot of screaming memes, the media, mainstream media, of course, exploiting it uh, to say this is chaos, it's dysfunction. And by the time we got an opportunity to start appearing before cameras, uh, what we were able to say, it was interesting to me, I was on Morning Joe, uh, with Joe Scarborough, Mika Brzezinski, she was touting the line. And even before I got a chance to speak, Joe, credit to him, said, yeah, well, that's sort of catastrophizing the thing. It's not chaos. It's not dysfunction. The nation's not going to go up in smoke if the speaker's election is delayed four days while we work out some important things. That is democracy. That is Republican government. And it's about time we see some of it. Without question, without question. And I, I suspect, well, I, I know that I'm going to say most Americans had no idea that their representatives didn't vote on every bill, uh, didn't uh, even participate in some of the most important legislation, frankly, uh, particularly, for example, the omnibus. I mean, $1.7 trillion, and nobody had more than just a, a quick whistle, and here you go. No chance to read that monster. Uh, no Absolutely. chance whatsoever to to do anything to shape it. It was it's that is what as you all have been talking about has to has to end. And you have reformed Congress to the point now that there is an opportunity to do great things. And what a start you all are off to. Uh, I mean, the, the American people. I really I think I I sense this across the country that you've given Americans a chance to to reevaluate their government and to look at what's possible now. And that's a, you know, that's about as much as anyone can ever ask for. Uh, to have a chance to do the to do it right. And you guys have got it and you're already underway. Uh, you're you're on the judiciary committee, uh, homeland security. You guys aren't uh, just, you know, sort of you use the word drift in. There's no drift in all of this. You guys are appear to be highly organized, highly motivated, and headed and uh, know exactly what direction you want to go in. We have achieved an agreement that is multifaceted, that is well structured, well thought out. It has been hammered out with uh, uh, other members of the Republican conference on behalf of Kevin McCarthy. It provides as a poll star in so many ways. And, you know, Lou, one other thing that people said in those first that first day or so uh, that, that was sort of the reason for not doing this or the criticism they would say was, well, where does this end? What's the end game? How does it? it, it and the and the real truth was we couldn't say. And right. but that's not bad. That is, you know, when with the part the what has become atrophied about our democracy is that everybody wants it to be a show, a show thing. It is, you do the same things 
over and over again, you have the trappings of democracy, but everybody knows what the end game is before the first shot is fired. And you know that a handful of appropriators and big guys in the back rooms are going to decide everything. And and somehow people's sense of security sometimes uh, suggests to them that that's preferable to having anything where you may not know the end from the beginning. But I submit again that it's better to see what you can synthesize when you're fighting out really important ideas. And so I, I, you know, I think it has been an opportunity for people to see things and they saw members on the floor. You're right, Lou. One of the main points of this agreement, particularly from my vantage point, was the work. And I had the lion's share of the responsibility for negotiating this part was it was the uh, select subcommittee to uh, take on the weaponization of the federal mm-hmm. government against the people, the, the sort of deep state FBI, DOJ, intelligence community, the way they've kind of metastasized and grown out of control. And well, we had sort of reverted reverted to the norm up here. And I noted a lot of comments that came across social media about it was, look, there's hardly anybody on the floor. You know, and so what we saw was Americans turned to the Congress and they saw us all on the floor of the House for a week uh, working over things that were that were very difficult. There's a lot of behind the scenes, but they, but I think you're right, Lou. Um, the people were refreshed by it. And I think it produces some expectations that we that we persist going forward. Let's keep having genuine democracy. And I'm all for it. Amen. Amen. It's as though representatives uh, have been beaten down by their own leadership over the course of the last 20 years, Uh, as if you you were, I I mean, in some cases, as if you were just simply an ancillary nuisance to the decisions that were being made by Mitch McConnell, Paul Ryan, uh, John Boehner, uh, go through the list. Uh, And now... I, I think all the congressmen, because of you 20, they realize, you know what? We really are a big deal. We actually do represent the American <laughs> people and they kind of like it when we do. And it isn't chaos. It's not catastrophe. It's not ugly. It isn't clownish. It is, as you just said, it's democracy. And America is about free speech. And we'd like it when our the people who represent us are talking freely and honestly and openly uh, so we know what's going on. Uh, it's just, a, I, I just think last week uh, has set a new standard uh, for uh, this, uh, re- this republic's uh, government uh, it's, uh, and all of our, our elected officials, uh, most especially in the House. Thank you, Lou. You know, you said a couple things there I'd like to comment on. You said First of all, we are a big deal. I I don't think of myself as any kind of a big deal, but the fact is 750,000 Americans are represented by me in my congressional district, and they're a big deal. And the notion, and and another thing uh, you said is, and at least fit together, that uh, that we've been sort of beaten down by leadership. Actually, I think we've been um, maybe beaten down or weakened by our own, the expectations that have come to pass, the norms that have emerged. And I know that this, that, you know, leadership, party leadership in in uh, in parliamentary bodies, not just in the United States, but elsewhere, they commonly do sort of follow a pecking order, perhaps. But really, if you're getting an institution that is as important as the United States Congress 
and you're trying to figure out who should lead one, you know, the majority faction of it, shouldn't that be an open discussion? I mean, is there any reason to believe, particularly if it hasn't been performing all that well? And I don't think most Americans think Congress is a bowl of cherries. I'm not that it has really been doing, you know, accomplishing the the task for the American people. So is does it make any sense the way you would pick a leader is just by turning the notch or turning the the the, the knob one notch on the existing pecking order? Kevin McCarthy had been in place for 14 years in leadership. Um, and, and I don't know that that's the way you resolve that. But if, if indeed that is the case, if we're going to pr proceed that way, then you certainly have to have a serious discussion over what our priorities are going to be and how we're going to accomplish them for the American people in detail and in a serious way. So I was really pleased that we I, I'm, I honored the 20 that were with us. I particularly uh, expressed my gratitude to the five who went out first in public and said, we're not voting for Kevin McCarthy. I was not one of those. So they are the ones who showed the most courage. And some of those were the guys left on the field at the tail end after we came to a point where we believed what was the wise course of action under the circumstances was to was to. And we had this agreement that seemed possible. We nailed it down and then we changed our votes to McCarthy. Those some of those same courageous, if not all of those courageous five were the last ones hanging on and they had a different view. But without them, it would have not been possible. And without the 20, Lou, a lot of people are, are throughout the Republican conference elsewhere. Many of our critics out in conservative land are now talking about how great some of the things are that we achieved in, in this agreement, but not one of them, not one rule change, not one agreement on legislative policy strategy would have been accomplished by this point in time had we not done what we did. I, I, I agreed. And I think Congressman Andy Biggs deserves special uh, regard because he was the man who stood up and challenged uh, McCarthy. Uh, he did it. I'm sure he knew that he had some few who would stand with him. Uh, I think he had to be exhilarated. I, I've talked to him uh, since, and uh, he had to, I, I would think, know exactly who was with him, and he didn't expect much support. I think the 20 uh, who came together were very important uh, to uh, helping him uh, maintain his resolve, which he did throughout. Uh, so I give him credit. I, and as you say, the final five or six, but uh, to me, all 20, uh, 21 of you really uh, uh, made a difference and, and, and an important difference going forward. So uh, I, I just think it's a wonderful moment in American history, and it's one that we all ought to treasure. Uh, and I do think that the, I, I just have such high hopes now I haven't had many high hopes over the last, I'll tell you this, uh, the last uh, few years, but uh, I've got them now because of what you all did. I, I want to turn to, you're your, on the Judiciary Committee, Homeland Security, and I'm going to throw this uh, at you. I was so thrilled uh, that Dan Crenshaw was not uh, chairman of your committee uh, because I see him as a modern-day John McCain uh, who you know, attacks the right for the benefit of winning the uh, the the approval of the left, so he can get on television. Uh, and to see uh, Congressman Green step up as chairman, I think that just wouldn't have happened again. That would not have happened, in my opinion, without uh, last week. Your thoughts? Yeah. It, well, Lou, I think you you make a very strong point there that I don't differ. With. Of course, you know, as we uh, undertook this effort. Uh, Crenshaw was one of those who went public and 
and put it in the in the nastiest terms he could possibly think of, calling us legislative terrorists. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that kind of language. I, it, it, I if that's constructive, uh, I don't know uh, in whose ball ball game it would be. And to the point you just made, uh, Mark Green's a fine fellow. He's going to be a good chairman of Homeland Security. I anticipate continuing to serve on that committee under him. I was not going to serve there if uh, Mr. Crenshaw was chairman. Um, <laughs> and, and and I, uh, but I think that you're on to something that is pretty significant. I think Dan Crenshaw discredited himself with the rhetoric that he used, and I don't think he's the only one. I think uh, Mike Rogers, by uh, the uh, from Alabama, who's the chairman of Home of uh, Armed Services, uh, and a very important figure in this Congress, you know, threatened that not one person who voted against McCarthy would receive a sitting would would be appointed to a standing committee in this Congress, and because he's on the steering committee, and. Um, let the threats roll. He, he then, uh, you know, uh, further dishonored himself on the floor at the very tail end, if you remember the confrontation oh, yeah, between him and Matt Gates, Lauren Boebert, and so forth. And um, I, I think that is a further salutary outcome of the process that we embarked upon. You saw people sort of show their true selves. And um, and I do not buy into the notion, the entitlement notion or the the notion of the few powerful that tell everybody else what to do. Uh, I'm not anything special. Um, I come from North Carolina. My parents were grew up in very poor households, a Scotch-Irish background. And uh, <laughs> but one thing my mama taught me, I didn't I, I never have done what somebody told me to do. That's not why I'm put on this earth other than the Lord God himself. And uh, and and I just don't roll that way. There are a lot of people. There's some people up in Congress who, frankly, Lou, I hate to say it, but the majority um, who are comfortable being told what to do. Um, I don't think that's the American people. I don't think that's the best ethos in this country. And I think we ought to work toward people who have independent minds who come together and do the hard work to agree on the way we're going to change things and put this country on the right path rather than wring our hands in fear about how, uh, you know, if we do anything out of the ordinary, we'll be turning the floor over to the Democrats or caving in to the Democrats or something like that. I don't think it's necessary. I'd rather have a bold view it's, that's like the America I've always understood to exist. Yeah, it's, and your point there is, it's really important to be out in the public uh, you and I know that the Democrat Party is run by Marxist Dems. You and I know uh, this this White House uh, has been turned over to a puppet president, an impaired puppet president, who is managed by Marxist Dems. And the Marxist Dems who run the Democrat Party and the president of the United States are trying to destroy this country. Uh, and to watch Hakeem Jeffries' performance uh, uh, on the installation Absolutely. of the new speaker was an embarrassment, whether he knew it or not, whether his but, conference knew it or not. And could he, I interject sure. on one thing there, Lou? One thing he said in that that ridiculously long speech where he was supposed to have the, the grace to introduce Kevin McCarthy as the new speaker, one thing he said there was he touted in repeated comments the unanimity of the Democratic caucus, unanimity. Let me tell you who else likes unanimity. President Xi in China expects unanimity out of the Politburo. That is not America. 
it's not America, but it is Marxist, and it is yep. exactly who they are marching to uh, every possible beat of that Marxist drum, uh, which is to the which will destroy this republic if we let it persist. And I think, and I think again, going back to your role, that of all of your colleagues in the twenty. Uh, you made a real difference for the American people. And the more that we keep those cameras on you all while you're in that, uh, I, I hope you guys are on the floor all the time. I really do. And I hope everyone who wants to take six months off uh, has to work the hardest. Uh, <laughs> this is a, this is a time. We, we have a republic, as you well know. We are on the precipice. We are looking at an, ins, uh, an inflection point in our history in which uh, – Every every freedom we have, our Constitution is at risk now. Uh, and what better time uh, to serve with all of the energy and fidelity that uh, that can be mustered by our Congress? And I just uh, I just want to say thanks to all of you uh, uh, for setting that standard and uh, and already underway to get that tough work done. I know that you are aware that we always give our guests the, the last word. So, Congressman, if I may, I'm going to ask you for your concluding thoughts here. And again, thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Lou. I do think we've had what has turned out to be a grand beginning to the 118th Congress in the United States House. Uh, I intend to keep at it. And uh, and to the point you just made about the Marxist ideas and their and their approach to government has been a failure for as long as that's been on the face of the earth. And they are they have overtaken the Democratic Party. Our ideas are the right ones. It's produced the most successful civilization in the history of mankind. And all we must do is embrace those fundamental ideas, show that we that those are our values and we will not back down from them and that we're competent and, and will be energetic enough to make government work for the American people, not for some special interest. And I, I'm going to stay at it. Um, Thank you so much for the supportiveness and the encouragement, and um, and let's see where we go from here. Amen. And uh, and we can't uh, we, we can't wait. Uh, I just want to say, uh, conclude here by saying thank you again, Congressman Dan Bishop, for all you're doing for America, uh, and uh, just God bless you and uh, Godspeed. Thank you, Lou. Congressman Dan Bishop. Great American. Thanks, everybody, for being with us here today. Please follow us on Twitter and Truth Social at Lou Dobbs. That's at Lou Dobbs on Twitter and Truth Social. Let us hear from you. Email us at Lou at LouDobbs.com. That's Lou at LouDobbs.com. Here tomorrow, Congressman Scott Perry. He's the head of the Freedom Caucus, one of the 20 stalwarts responsible for the historic reforms in the 118th Congress. Till then, Thank you, God bless you, and may God bless America. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered Internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home yes, cool. or attending one live, no! you can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at cox.com slash internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability as measured by Ookla LLC in the U.S. to H 2023. Results may vary, not an endorsement. Other restrictions apply. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.